What is going on, Internet? Welcome to another edition of the podcast. Hello, how are you today? I'm your host, Mitch Corbett. And as always, uh, you know, I'm here having another great conversation with another great guest. This week we have uh, Dana CK. She is a artist. She does these um, art clipping collages that are absolutely incredible, very unique, very different, very um, eye-catching when you see it done. Uh, she's a very funny stand-up comedian. I uh, I saw her, I invited her to do a show at one of the shows I host and she crushed it. And every time I've seen her perform, uh, she crushes it. She's very funny, very dry, very just uh, has a unique voice and a unique presence about her, which I really, I dig and get. Uh, well, I don't get, I, if, I, if I got it, I'd be a little bit more successful of a comedian myself. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but she's also very well educated or is being well educated. She, we were talking a little bit about her education uh, process and what she's going to school for currently. And uh, yeah, she's smart. She's she's smarter than myself. She's smarter than uh, quite a few people um, that I know around the world. So I flick a piece of hair, cat hair off my microphone. Until I haven't used this thing in a while, so another flick over there. Anyways, uh, I'm not going to waste any more of your time, guys. We're going to promote the shit of Dana's art and her comedy after this. Uh, but f- before that, let's get to the conversation with the Miss, the very lovely Miss Dana CK. So how are things? How's the fun thing going? I haven't seen you in a while, eh? Gas prices. Yeah, I haven't seen you in a minute. Everyone up from seeing each other, it seems. <laughs> Yeah, I was in London like every, at least once a week last summer. Now I'm just rolling around in the dirt around here. <laughs> it's been nice, but yeah, comedy's good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I'm here with the lovely Dana CK. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having you me. You get more inked on your arms? God damn, you are getting full. Jesus. Uh, I did get this recently. It's uh, some perversion of Earth. We'll see. It's like Saturn, to be honest. I think so. I think so, actually. I've never been, but I hear it's nice. Saturn? I want to go to Jupiter, man. That thing is like 10 or 100 times the size of planet Earth, and it's all fucked up with gases and shit. Yeah, I just want to, like, implode for <laughs> atmospheric reasons. Sorry. You're just ready for all to end, eh? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Every, like, every every white person in the world, like, every white, every person in the world is like, can we just get over with and restart civilization again? Like, this is... What do you say, every white person in the world? Let's, let's have the asteroid hit fucking Yellowstone and just be done with it. Like just, just. Yeah, Yellowstone's a good impact site. Nobody cares about Yellowstone. Yeah. Okay, sorry, my cat is going to be in and around here. Hey, That's buddy. Okay. What's your cat's name? This is uh, Roscoe. I don't know if he'll join. Roscoe oh. is allowed to be on the podcast. There you are. Hey, Roscoe. Buddy. See, I have black friends for sure. <laughs> yeah, you bought your black friend, though. I don't know how good that Oh shit! You're right. <laughs> I need a black friend, so I bought him. That's a great. It's <laughs> a great introduction there, Dave. I think he's gonna stay right there. No, nah, he's gonna. Yeah, he's here. All right. Well, so you're joined by me and Roscoe. <laughs> Roscoe and I, rather. So what? What's up with you? What are you? Um, you know, fucking waiting for the road as well. You know. Yeah. Back from Chicago. Chicago was fantastic. Holy shit, that was cool. What were you doing out there? Uh, it was just vacation, but I got to do a set at the comedy bar for like three minutes. That was fun. Oh, really? That's sick. I've always yeah. wanted to. It was just like an open mic spot, but like, I see everything. It just felt good to get 
out of the country and travel around a little bit you know like it's it's not like it wasn't that far or anything but means a lot just you know kind of have that little bit of freedom back again to be able to go yeah for sure you went to the most sought out place in the world the united states the great big south All right, it's Midwest. It's not south. If I was going south, I'd go to Georgia. South from us. It's south somewhere. Fuck. We, uh, <laughs> we, I didn't realize how much weight I need to lose, but knowing, like, we walked everywhere. Like, when we finished walking, uh, Maka recorded how long. It'd be, like, 12 kilometers, or one day we did 16K. And I'm like, how the fuck does, how am I still alive? Like, it was I know, crazy. I'm like... I'm undoing my belt as we're talking about this. I realized I shouldn't have worn jeans to a podcast. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Like I think I'm due as well. (laughs) Ridiculous. All right. So I want to have you on podcast because I really enjoy your comedy and I really enjoy your art. So let's, uh, let's let's go into the comedy aspect first because I feel like that's kind of inspired your art a little bit. So uh, you're, you're in school right now, right? Are you finished for the summer? Are you going back or are you done, done? I've decided to have uh, a summer of George, so to speak. I've just been, took the summer off to get really drunk and get mad at stuff, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm just chilling out until September. I really needed a break. I, I, um, I wrote like six papers in a week for my finals, like two weeks or something. One of which being like a 10,000 word thesis paper. So uh, I kind of thought I should take some time off get back to my roots yeah, I want, <laughs> like you, it seems like you're studying what are you studying anyway so you don't have to tell me but like what are you studying exactly yeah i'm doing a, an undergrad in religious studies with minors in philosophy and psychology so i'm going to be i don't know a teacher or a janitor or something <laughs> you'll figure it out later i guess but yeah i know it, it's cool uh, i started my undergrad in like 2014 so to finish it soon. <laughs> You've been doing this game for a while then, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like doing this game, like losing this game. Um, I've just, yeah, I've, I've really been taking my time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Salud. I got my rum and coke here for it. Hey, nice. I got Collective Arts Guava Sour. Nice. Do you want to see what a $13 or $14 bottle of spice rum from Kirkland looks like? Yeah, I do, actually. Seems like a lot for not price wise, quantity wise compared to price. I mean, one point seven five liters. Would you say fourteen bucks? Yeah, that's like I don't know twenty cigarettes. I could do it. It's pretty delicious. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I really enjoy. Yeah, it. I'm a whiskey guy for sure. Cheapest any bar I go into is just hey, can I get two shots of your cheapest whiskey and a kiss on the mouth and then. That's all I need. You know what? This let's get into it. You are such a good dude. <laughs> You're such a Thanks, dude. Thanks, bro. No, Thanks, bro. I, I think the best, but like it's it's fascinating because like you're so like chill and like your your attitude is very like casual, laid back, but like you're studying this like intense reg- like course load and everything. It's like how how did you become all this? <laughs> Well, uh, if you want me to start alphabetically, uh, at the time of my birth, um, you know, I don't know the fuck I'm saying, I'm so high. No, childhood trauma is what did this for sure. Uh, So I'd like to thank 
you know, my parents, um, Saturday Night Live. That's about it. That's it. That's it. No, I think honestly, it's just adapting to uh, adverse emotional circumstances. And now I'm just void of any, you know, womanly personality. I think I just kind of, you know, grew a pair or something. (laughs) So to speak. It's got to be weird, though, because like, I imagine that you probably get hit on a lot because of your demeanor as well. Hey, thanks. No, I think... um, uh, it, it almost I don't know, it goes the opposite way, probably. I think if I'm seen as a dude, then, you know, people have to say, like, dudes have to say no homo before they call me cute, I think. So, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't really thought about it too much. I just, you know, get out there, hopefully kiss somebody on the face and then go home. doesn't matter who. Yeah. Well, it, it does. It matters too. <laughs> no, it does. Some days are easier than others. Some days, yeah, you don't want to wake up to something that you're like scarred for life with, you know. Well, that's the effect I have, women. Yeah. And women are like, yeah, your your self-deprecating humor is fantastic. <laughs> really appreciate. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. It's a problem. A medium through and through. Um, so, like, you're studying religion. Oh man, I could go down this rabbit hole with you, but I don't want to because every time I see like um like a big sports fan and I, every I'm a big community fan, every single time I see like uh someone of like influence is like mention the word God or like faith, and I'm just, I just immediately just like uh get turned off by it. So like, why did you? What made you want to delve down the the realm of religion as a study point? I think it kind of it goes in hand in hand with my interest in language also because I think all religions are kind of saying the same thing just a little differently so I was kind of I'm curious about the thematic connections between religions versus their expression in ritual or other cultural or yeah expressive forms I guess um I don't know I'm just interested in um, why people do what they do more like a psychology of religion is probably the best way to just like to concisely say what I'm interested in but language also is inextricable from that. Have you been able to find like any connections between the things you're studying or like, is that what, what, what your thesis were? Or was trying to yeah, find? for sure. I apologize. My, uh... yeah, sorry. My connection is real spotty right now. That's Satan, you it's... know, fucking with the wires, I guess, but it's all good. Uh, let me see. This is pretty bad. Fuck. Okay. I can it hear you. Seems like we're a bit better. Oh, okay. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> so your well, end is just me rambling. Okay. Um, well, I didn't quite hear your question. Have you been able to find any connections? Like in like, was that one that you said you're doing like six theses, right? And you just mentioned how like you wanted to uh, study and find the connection between religions. So, like, were you able to find anything? Was that one of your theses, or like, is it still just like an ongoing process? Yeah, so only one of the papers I wrote this past term was a thesis. You typically only really write one per degree, but um, my thesis was like linking, I guess, uh, it's, it kind of has to be particular, but like linking the Sanskrit language to physical and emotional health or something. So, you know, using mantras in the Sanskrit language specifically to, to promote well-being. So that kind of, I think language is what, makes religions different like religious traditions rather different from each other but it's also 
the conceptual um, basis from which language emerges is what is what connects and you know what is similar about traditions that can seem so different. So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna smoke a bit more weed, see if I can figure this one out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it together. <laughs> um, yeah, that's I about want, it. I want to ask this, like, so you're trying to find a connection to religion. I know a lot of people have used religion as an uh, as a rate as a way of healing to find themselves, that sort of thing, right? Um, has that like have been having studied it and how I mean, having like written reports on it, has it helped you deal with like as you mentioned before, like any like trauma you've had in your past life? Because that's I found that some people use it for that. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. My interest in religion has always been um, pretty uh, like I guess academic. I mean, I've been doing it academically for so long that it might it's hard to you know discern what's mine and what's. I don't know how to explain it. What's my personal interest and what's my academic interest. So I think maybe even um, my focus on it academically has pulled me away from, from perceiving my own life in a, in a religious lens, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, definitely. I think you can, I don't know, you can assign meaning to whatever symbols you want and they can have hopefully a desired effect. So I, I use that in my life as well. Also meditation, which is, uh, you could argue that it's not, a religious activity, but I use meditation a lot and mantra recitation as well. So those things in the, in recent years have become pretty important to my sense of self and just routine, some kind of, uh, it's like, it's, it's integrated itself into my homeostasis or whatever that means. So it's a way of leveling myself. It, it kind of seems like you're going to have a better understanding of like whatever you're doing right now when you're out of it sort of thing. Like yeah, it, probably. It kind of feels like you're getting too much information in right now to be able to how to deal with it. And you're just like, you're work, 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 work. And you don't get to really like enjoy as much. So hopefully this break really helps you with that as well. Yeah. I mean, once, uh, you know, I, most of my truths I've found at the bottom of a bottle or a can, but I think once I uh, take a moment to breathe and not, you know, spend so much time around people, I'll probably come into some awareness. So yeah, you're right. It's too much, too much coming in. It's not that it's in one ear and out the other, but everything just finds its place in my brain and just stays there. It doesn't really, so many connections happening right now. I'm kind of in my sponge phase, so it's, to speak. It's, my, my wife describes uh, people's brains as like they're a hard drive. And like, yeah, we, yeah. Often, we often, like, we also often talk about like how much hard drive space he, he or she or I have left. And I'm mm. like, oh, I'd say I probably have like, 30 20 percent hard drive left space left like yeah you know, got a couple gigs you know we're going yeah, over the limit gigs, but, but i mean like <laughs> i mean you you might have to buy another hard drive in this case yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah we journaling is like buying an external hard drive you just or like uh, scrapbooking whatever happy people do i don't know it's a way of like <laughs> offloading information i guess you're just the one of the bar like ways of telling people all about the pagan religion rituals just to get out yeah it, it is kind of like that <laughs> actually someone else <laughs> yeah you know uh, it is kind of like that <laughs> just tell someone about some buddhist history and i'm like all right i gotta go and <laughs> drugs are waiting for me in the bathroom <laughs> and the cycle when, continues <laughs> when you're doing like this all study and all this religious work uh and and psychology i mean like as a comedian like 
most comedians go to therapy for psychological purposes. You know, feel oh, really, I I don't know a damn comedian that's working on themselves at all. Well, <laughs> the, the good ones are ones working on themselves. Okay, <laughs> fair. You listen to enough podcasts; they always mention their therapist and shit. Like that uh, I think everyone's oh, yeah. too young to be able to realize or endorse their, or uh, deal with their inner monologues, sort of thing. But like when you're doing like some of the best bits from comedians uh, are based off religious principles. So has this kind of like avenue, have you delved into that topic of like religion in your comedy set or no? Yeah, I like to think of myself as George Carlin incarnate. Um, yeah, not a bad person. I mean, <laughs> no, as a person, 100% great. as a family person, not so good. So as long as hey, you're man. here, you should be able to have kids. You should. <laughs> yeah, no, I think. Um, um, so your question is like, have I. Okay, I might have smoked too much. Have I uh, have I used, have you used comedy? Your, yeah, you have oh, used religious bits in your comedy. Like, do you are you like doing more work on your? Are you doing a piece of it on while you're studying and be like, hey, that would actually make a good bit, and you're like you're like on another tangent, right down jokes sort of thing. I've definitely gotten some some material from some of my schoolwork, but in terms of like um, using that to to heal or like transforming that information into something that's useful. Eh, you know, maybe next year. For now, I'm just talking, you know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so, I mean, like, like psychology, too. Man, you're so smart. But you also kind of sound <laughs> like an idiot, too. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, <laughs> like, it's on point. Yeah. On point. But, like, but yeah. like, it must be... I mean, I think that's probably part of like how you deal with it, though, right? Because you're just getting too much information. You don't, you're not giving your body, you're not giving your mind or body rest unless you're doing meditation. So like you're just fucking going a hundred miles per hour. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Some days I'm like a hamster on a wheel. Most other days I'm just a breadcrumb circling the drain. Either way, we're always moving. <laughs> so like, do you find like I know you do? Um, what's the art that you do again? Uh, it's called it's paper collaging I, I sit at this table i listen to some music uh and i cut up magazines and i put them on a similar like they they all go onto one page i consolidate them and then um and then i scan it and but yeah it's the art of cutting paper and putting said pieces of paper said clippings together so i'm, a, I'm that, clippy do you find that with the paper collaging you get to kind of like unwind and relax doing that whereas like when you're doing comedy it's more of a chaotic like i hope you will like me you're interacting with, <laughs> you're interacting, hey, with that's comedians, just... interacting with comedians who are also insane as well right you know like like you need that yeah. to, or, or uh, that art to like, kind of just like calm yourself down sort of thing i think most of what i do is an attempt to ensure the the admiration of others i think most people are like that in some regard but no i think there's a performative aspect of both of those things, both of those forms of art, but um, collaging is definitely more, um, it's more of an act of done out of solitude. It's not as uh, explicitly performative, um, but they do share a lot, uh, a lot of similarities. It's like transforming things, but I guess, okay. Transforming things and building things together to make one more polished product is, is uh, kind of a basic similarity between them. But um, with comedy, I guess I'm writing as I go. It's often things that happen in conversation that I'm like, okay, I'll write that down. 
but uh, sometimes I'll sit down and write very rarely, but that's working with like a whole mess of possible combinations. And, you know, there's, there's a lot out there to work with. You can really just say whatever the hell you want and hopefully it's funny, but uh, with collaging, it's, it's quite different. I'm working with finite resources, I think, because I'm only using paper. Some people do like digital collaging and that, which is cool, but with paper, I'm working with exactly what's in front of me. I can't alter the size of anything like things have to, there's only, well, in some cases, there's only one way that set, like a couple of pieces will work together. Um, but with comedy, it's much more open-ended. And that's what I like about collaging too. I think um, I just kind of have <laughs> like a hundred national geographics breaking a shelf in my bedroom. And then I just pull a few out and it's a way of like the, how restricting and limiting it is just because I only have a few things to work with um, is actually quite liberating versus comedy. I think it's, there's a top down and a bottom up difference happening there, I guess, yeah. but both are, both are fun. And I hope both like either of those things uh, get me a husband or a wife, you know, like both of those things have a goal. Um, yeah. Hopefully I can secure a, a family and a, you know, six figure salary with either of those things. Well, I don't think you need to worry about family these days. I feel like the end of the world is coming soon enough. So we don't have to worry about. You know, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, no, but I mean, like it's, it's I like, I love the work that you're doing with the collage work. Um, and like you just recently launched a website too. So tell me about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're selling your art now. So how does that kind of feel? It's been all right. I mean, it's quite new. Um, it's, it's cool to have something out there. I, I was worried that, you know, as I started, people were like, oh, you should sell prints and stuff. Like a few people told me that, which is kind of what gave me the idea. I mean, I probably would have ended up on that route anyways, but I was worried that, that I was worried that monetizing it would kind of take the joy out of it. And, um, and it hasn't, which is great. I mean, I spent so long working on developing the website that it was, um, that I just didn't have time. I didn't make time to collage. I think I went a whole month without doing anything. So, oh, well, here's my cat. Um, That's the other one. Yeah, this is Pigeon. There's only two. Somebody, uh, please like me. I only have two cats. Buddy. Pigeon, do you like uh, your mom's art or? Nope. All right. Just get the fuck out of yeah, there. I to sit on something. Just ruin it. Um, but yeah, so having a site is cool. It hasn't taken the joy out of things. And I have to you know, now that it's up, I don't really have to do as much leg work all the time. So it's, it's good. It's um, coasting, you know, it doesn't like, cost that much to run a site. So, so like how often do you work on a piece? Like, does it just come to you? Do you work on it? Just kind of like, Oh, I, I'll do it when I, do you make, do you make time for it? Or do you do it just like, Oh, I'll do it whenever I want to do it sort of thing. I have to plan for it. it it's a lot of like, I have all my stuff here plus a million, like at least actually at least a hundred um, National Geographic's in my in my room. So like to bring it all out onto this table, move everything. So I really have to make it, you know, make an event out of it. I, you know, and so I plan for it in my schedule. Some days I don't want to do it, so I don't, but and, and some days I, I don't want to do it, so I just do it. And so like, what's yeah. the website where can people find your stuff at? Yeah, it's uh, CK, two letters, creates dot c a also two letters so that's it let's say none of this is mine some of it but now so this is what do we want to start a trend where like if you're going to do a comedy show and people know you're going to be there they bring you national geographic to give you the take home or should we avoid all this man 
someone's got to bring me a new shelving unit first because this is, it's like so, it's already so, a problem. So, does someone buy her like IKEA gift cards so she can get more shelving? Yeah, I'm gonna put my uh, my Venmo down there. <laughs> someone <laughs> buy me a goddamn shelf. Get Dana a shelf. Now that's a cause I can get behind. Just more shelving. More space for your more more space for your hard drive. Essentially, that's what we need. Yes, I need. Uh, yeah, I need more hard drive. There you go. Yeah. And so, like now, we got we met each other through the comedy scene. I was just uh, trying to find comedians to kind of like invite down, uh, like specifically more female comedians. And you 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 came, and you fucking knocked it out of the park. I love your your dark sense of comedy. I love your delivery. I think you're very talented. Uh, so, how did you get into the how did you get into comedy? And like, you're in Kitchener Guelph area. So, how did that? Fuck, she froze again. Ah, I had a whole good thing. Ooh. Oh, hello. Sorry, I orchestrated that whole thing so I could put in more hairspray. Uh, <laughs> for, for the video that no one watches, essentially. Hey, man. Anyways, as I was saying before, and we had just finished talking about your artwork and everything, and uh, I was mentioning how like we met uh, through comedy and how like... Oh, yeah, you like, were saying how much you uh, admired me. Yeah. Let's get back to that. Yeah. yeah. No, you're very funny. I love your delivery. You have some really funny jokes. And, like, so I'm like, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about your comedy career, like how you got into it. Because, like, how much how much younger are you than me? I'm 34. You are? I'm turning 26 in uh, 20 days. Right. So how, when did you start doing comedy? Uh, December 20. 2018 the very end of 2018 like i did like three shows in 2018 I wow, so you, got some, you got some years on you so like how that how that all starts was it a dare where you did you always want to try it or was it like because my when I, when I first started it was off of a dare so i'm like it's like i dare really? you to go do a stage I'm like sure and i had like um two jokes and it didn't go horribly wrong so I mean, oh, that's good hey nice yeah, I started, uh, there's a fantastic show in Guelph at the Jimmy Jazz every Sunday, and old Dave McInnes ran it, and it was, the, honestly, the best show. Um, I lived across the street at a shitty apartment, and I just started going to the Jimmy Jazz all the time. Like, I moved to Guelph in 2016, and then immediately started, like, drinking around town, and then found people, and then started working in the industry. Anyways, Jimmy Jazz <clears throat> was a place that we went. All the time. I was there like every night. I was going to get a Jimmy Jazz tattoo. That's how much I like this place. And Dave McInnes ran a, a weekly show on Sunday nights. And it, I looked forward to it every week. I loved going. I loved watching. I got to see, you know, people come back again. And like, like Dave Gettertu and Jason Allen. And like, man, so many people. So many awesome people. Anyways, I, I really started liking the show. And uh, then I started writing down jokes that I kind of came across in conversation. Or I'd say that. And then you know, some be like, oh, you should do stand up or some, some shit like that. Um, and then I, I was like, oh, I, you know, the gap between watching it and doing it is actually much smaller than I thought. I can really just get up there. And so one Sunday I woke up and I was like, you know, Dave, like, can I do your show tonight? And he's like, oh, like, yeah, he was very welcoming, very supportive, you know, giving people their first shot. It could have gone horribly wrong. And I, I told all my friends to come. So I think there was no way it could have gone terribly. I like I had a lot of support in the room looking back it wasn't a great set but like you know that's where I started was at the Jimmy Jazz and Dave was also the first person to ever let me like guest host their show and yeah so Jimmy Jazz Sunday Night Comedy that's where I started and I'm very thankful for that Dave is awesome and so how like how like you 2018 you would have been fucking early 20s like 
how has your uh, how has your comedy evolved since then with a little few more years yeah yeah I guess I'm like three and a half years in I mean there was COVID kind of fucked everything up but that also you know encouraged some some kind of like adaptability but uh you know I I I can't say that I'm like an expert now but like compared to then it's like I see I don't know the the industry is old beast of its own that you kind of I'm kind of learning about piece by piece so my awareness of you know um how to read a room I'm still not good at that but there there are metrics to to being like a good performer and I'm it's not that I've mastered any of them um but I'm able to see that you know what works and what doesn't is for you know a bunch but a bunch of specific reasons so I'm more aware of like (laughs) it's stupid to say I'm more aware of what I should and shouldn't do I'm not as blind but I still don't really know what the hell I'm doing I think that's the fun of it I care less about like you know how it's received I guess which kind of contradicts what I just said but I'm not I'm not so hell-bent on it being the best set of my life all the time I think that just when you stack up numbers each one matters less so yeah so let's maybe break that down a bit because like I I personally like I've always found that the best sets I have are ones that like where there's an ad-lib in there as well where it's like more casual you're not like too regimented and like and I find like the best sets I personally have have when I'm like I just I'm either like so tired that I don't give a shit or I'm just like I had I just I've been doing this or like or I'm just like the perfect amount of drunk and high to perform like at the peak level. That's what. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, comfort can be found in many different forms, but like I said, I've found a lot at the bottom of, <laughs> at the bottom of cans and bottles, and I think. I'm more comfortable when I'm fucked up, but that's the problem. <laughs> In a list of problems, that's that's high up on it. Right. So I want let's I want to ask you about that because like so like how, like when was the last time you did a set while you were sober? Oh uh, well, when I was coming out to London, I was I was driving quite a lot, so I wasn't getting drunk out there. But like sometimes I'd stay if I was doing like you know, Blue Dogs on Tuesday and like I don't know um, whatever the or like poachers on Monday and then the Lou dogs in Frankenfurt is on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. Like I would, I've stayed out there a few times. So anyways, there are times when I can't get fucked up because I'm driving out of town. I think that's the biggest one. But, uh, so the last that I ch- like chose to be sober at by my own, you know, virtue, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I drink a lot. Uh, Do you find that there's a difference in the, in the comedy form when like, cause I like, I mentioned like when I was re- wrestling train and doing, doing poachers, I was so like physically exhausted cause I just worked out for three minutes or like right. three hours straight. And my yeah. mind was just like so clear that the jokes were actually like, I hit all of the points I wanted to hit. Whereas like, I've been also like, I haven't had enough to drink to the point where like, I'm still too nervous to perform. Like, like, do you find that do you have like a balancing act that you do to get ready for it? Or are you guys like, uh, whatever happens, happens, bro. I think it's more the latter, but, uh, it's not always whatever happens, happens. It's like, but I'm going to get hammered, but that's me in a lot of situations as well. But I think, um, you know, it's, it's a form of self-sabotage in some way. Cause then I can, if it's not a good set, I can blame it on being drunk. Rarely do I credit my good sets to the drinks I had. If I, think I did poorly I probably was drinking and whether I did poorly or not it's neither here nor there 
I probably did, but like, you know, how I feel about it is largely dictated by, um, sorry, if I feel badly about a set, it's largely dictated by whether I was, you know, drunk or out of my element, you know, and you're mentioning ad libs and stuff, I think, and like tags, a lot of that just happens naturally in my experience. And it just, when you're comfortable up there, you're more likely to throw in some little like, am I right, ladies? You know, it's like, it's easier to kind of stumble into something that's worth keeping when you're already stumbling and you're drinking. So I think, yeah, I rely on it, but I also, you know, it's also something I was going to do anyway. <laughs> it's like, I was probably going to drink tonight anyway. So on a Saturday. Like you are, you're in Guelph, right? Or you're in Kitchener? Yeah, Guelph. You're in Guelph. So what's, what's the comedy scene there like? And like, how, like, are there enough mics to get the reps that you feel that are required to take it to the next level? Or if I, I, I don't, I'm don't, not sure what you mean by the next level, which is fine, because I think it means something different for everybody, like what people want to do. But Guelph is, uh, Guelph used to be, I think, much more. Um, it's the word I'm thinking of, like populated with comedy uh, opportunities. There were, you know, in that downtown Guelph, downtown Guelph is like two streets. And within those two streets, there were like, you know, three, four shows, either weekly or monthly. There was more opportunity before the pandemic, which you can argue that we're still in, but I think post opening, there's less going on. But they're, they're, the shows that do happen though are quality. There's no weekly show. There are three, well, there's a weekly open mic. And it's at Shoeless Joe's in the South End, which Jason Dogleash runs. He's he's awesome. And, um, but there are like three monthly shows that happen or buy it. I think there's one that happens twice a month. So there's less opportunities now, but the opportunities are better, I think. More, I think, in, in some regard is always better. It's always good to be able to hit a mic, you know, more than once a week. And like you run the Onyx shows, right? For hosts. Yeah. Yeah. Comics and Onyx. It's been my my child that I was forced to neglect. So what made you want to get into like running shows and hosting shows? I think just doing a set wasn't enough attention. I think it was, you know, I'm trying to get a husband out of here, man. You can't get a husband when you're doing one set. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to family. Yeah, but no, I wanted to do a show because it started when I, hosted a one-off for my birthday in 2019 at the bar that I work at. So it was easy to do that. It was also a good venue for it. Um, So I did a one-off show in 2019 where I just booked a bunch of my buddies and we had a great show. And then that became the place that I started my monthly show. I think probably three, four months after that show, we were like, okay, let's do this all the time. It was rough starting out. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I still don't know what the hell I'm doing, but like I said, I have a bit more, a bit more information coming in that I've actually sponged that I'm trying to learn from other people, people I admire and respect in, in the local scene that run their own shows. Every time I'm at a show, I'm taking notes on what I perceive to have worked and what doesn't, not in content, but in, you know, producing. And you produce shows too. So, you know, like every no, show I'm, get better. I'm, I'm a hundred percent like you were like, I kind of just, I booked the shows just cause I want to like have, uh, yeah. I, no, I guess attention too. Now I think about it. Now there we go. We need more people admitting that we're attention hungry. Yeah, everyone is, but everyone needs to say um, that they are. I like, I like, I like, um, I like playing on shows for all the comedians because like I know that there's lots of talented ones, and the yeah. more reps everyone get, the more of the scene can grow. The big more, yeah. them, the more like big name comedians come to like it. Just 
Yeah. I like the idea of like growing something from the ground up, like little plants. Uh, at, anyway, so like I got the um, <laughs> so we got the Fort Driver show that goes on once a month now. Yeah, and then we got uh, the Richmond Tavern going on, which is like the danger zone for comedy because uh, the Richmond Tavern is like, <laughs> I had a comedian message me from Hamilton. He's like, hey, uh, you uh, you should be careful about uh, writing the Richmond because that's where like the welfare checks go. So. Oh, well, I think that, you know, I'm, it's an interesting point. But I think, you know, doing it in kind of a, say a less than savory area, actually, it tends to be more fun, like, and it was the first time was super super fun. Yeah, I think you know there's character in in you know areas of town like that. I mean, I'm not above that, nor am I separate from it, nor am I totally identified by it. But I think downtown Guelph has its has its you know it's uh, it's rough around the edges, and I think it's fun when somebody you know at the Jimmy Jazz the window to the main street was right behind the stage. So comedians would be talking and then every so often you just see like someone coming in and like smoking a cigarette in the window. And, you know, half the time it was me, but the times that it wasn't, it made it a lot funnier when there was. Well, then I, I full help hardly you, you, uh, you and your other comedians come down uh, Thursday, someday in the next two weeks to come check out Richmond. Cause that's exactly what happens. I uh, would love so, to. That, honestly, a, a window on the street. Tyler Shazza went through the window and started doing comedy on the street. trying to. That sounds a lot like the Jimmy Jazz. Now, when you described it as somewhere, you know, in, in other words, it might be a little rough around the edges. I was like, man, I got to get the fuck out there. Like, that yeah. sounds fun. That sounds fun. Well, that's because, like, it's like, I love the comedy scene in London, right? It's great. London's incredible. Yeah, but, like, there is this, there is a, a sense to me that there's, like, it's almost too safe. Like, I, I like a little bit of a... <laughs> With dangerous, you know. I want, I want, I want yeah. my in my life. I don't you want to dip your toes in the in the waters of sin, my friend. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely there's an appeal to you know not knowing what to expect. I think maybe safe can be used interchangeably with predictable, yeah. whereas you kind of want a little bit of you want a little bit of action. You want, you know, you want cops to be. You hear sirens and you're like, I actually genuinely don't know which one of these people is. <laughs> that's you're just like you're waiting for me to either pull up or pull through. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I think that's awesome. The Richmond. Where is that? Is that uh, right. It's uh, it's right beside Frankfurters, actually. Yeah. See, that's the thing. When I was at Frankfurters, I'm like, I like it here. Like, <laughs> what's going on? I'm like, I gotta. And that's why I kept coming out. I was like, London. You know, to describe it as safe, I think that's why I laughed when he said it. I was like, because I have spent a lot of time. My time in London, I would say like sixty percent of it was spent on that street where Frankenfurters was like out there smoking. If I'm not driving, I'm, I'm definitely drunk. So I'm, you know, I felt that home outside of Frankenfurters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, oh, I think I'm back here for a while. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I will say you weren't safe. Cause I mean, just, uh, and like, I haven't been out in like fucking forever. Life just got too fucking hectic and too annoying. And I just haven't been able to like, uh, I, I gotta get back in, but I got some stuff I gotta do prior priority prioritize wise to like fucking feel comfortable again, I guess. But I don't know. Like, why, why do you like you did the open mic because you knew comedians going to shows? Why uh, I, we all have our own reasons why we hate it and why we absolutely absolutely love it though. But like, what where where are your why do you love it so much? Well, I think it's it's impossible to talk about. It's impossible to talk about my interest in performing, you know, without, without talking about 
the need for attention, which I think everybody has, but I think that's not the sole reason I like it. I think it's, you just kind of have to preface everything. It's like, well, yeah, I like hearing myself talk. I think most comedians are narcissists. I think the best ones I've met are definitely insane. And like, <clears throat> I think there's that, there's the community aspect of it. Being a part of the scene is being a part of the scene. It's really cool to know so many people who have a similar interest and the network just keeps growing and growing, um, which is great. I think for me, uh, transforming experiences or, you know, otherwise mundane or painful things into something that hopefully is funny and also hopefully secures me a family and a house. Um, I feel like the family and a house is a joke because I don't. It is. It's definitely not real. (laughs) No, I'm going to be renting alone for the rest of my life. It's okay. But like, that's what I want. No, I'm fully kidding. I just mean there's something about it that's like getting better at a craft is it's inherently enjoyable for a person to do getting better at something is, is fun. And it's, it's a game. It's a game. And it's not that you can win or lose it, but you can just strategize for the rest of your life. And that's kind of fun. Can you, uh, can you describe, cause like I did a, I did Remy's show in Sarnia, right. And I fucking crushed it. I had like a made of nice. spot and it was fucking real well. And then I went and did Frankfurter's. <laughs> Can you, like, can you kind of break down the uniqueness of like the highs and lows of a fucking a week in comedy like yay oh i want to kill myself and that wasn't bad oh i still want to kill myself (laughs) yeah i think you kind of you know the the narrative that you just expressed i think is pretty it's something I relate to. I was about to argue that it's common. I'm not sure that it is. Maybe some people just know. No, and it's so people are known to say. If we're all well, narcissists and we all want like, attention, then the idea of bombing and succeeding are fucking the most yeah, common threads. I mean, I think there are people that that think and and probably rightfully so that they're crushing all the time. I've there are comedians I've never like that I've only ever seen do well, and that's sick. But obviously, everyone has their highs and lows, even if it's a very small range. But like bombing, it, it, it sucks. It's always going to suck. Bombing sucks. And you just hope that, you know, your kill death ratio is pretty okay, you know? But oh, sorry, my cat just fell into the sink. He bombed, though. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, you got to look at both really closely or not. You don't have to. But when I bomb, I try and figure out why. Often I attribute it to some external. Uh, liquid force but like I when I do well it's like yeah I'm I'm king of the fucking universe you know I think it's easy to fall into those patterns you uh, you know I've when when it sucks it sucks but when it's good it's good and hopefully you find some kind of homeostatic equilibrium that something pulls you back to just doing okay all the time that's fine do you do you have like an end end goal with a comedy No, I think it's one of the things similar to collaging that I just kind of do because I like it. And if I don't feel like it, yeah, I don't do it. It would be excellent to, you know, I I love doing shows and it would be cool to be good enough to to do something like just for laughs. I don't know. It's way, I I feel like it's way too early for me to even consider what, what could come of it, but that, you know, people who have been in it as long as I have, who are out grinding, like, mics all the time getting on like featuring on yucks or like a residency or something like that like that's cool and you know someone who i look up to a lot is uh nick nemeroff who just passed away which very that fucking sucks 
what he was doing is what I would want to be doing. I think a lot of people looked up to him for that, but you know, he was fantastic and being that good to do the things that he was able to do. That's kind of, it's the dream. It's not so much a goal for me right now. I have a lot of other big pressing goals in my current experience, especially finishing school. Like, uh, and, you know, so it's not something I'm hustling for at this exact, you know, present time, but to the people who do their success is measurable and their impact is notable. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just chilling. So uh, I never had the pleasure of meeting Nick, but I've been recently watching stuff and he was very funny. He had very, yeah, he was great, man. He had a very unique stage presence. Um, what, yeah. What's, do you have like a favorite fond memory of his that you would like to share maybe? Well, we weren't, we weren't friends by any stretch of the imagination. We did a show together. Uh, maybe, maybe more than one. I can't remember, but we did a Mitch, Mitch VK show in uh, St. Thomas. It was great. He smashed. He was, he was awesome. And um, he's very kind as well. So by no means were we friends, but we were acquainted and in the same network. And we, I think, I think I might've done okay that night too. So like, he's someone whose respect I probably would have like, you know, idolized in some way. He was cool. So having that impact, even, even a one person who's stoked to see me do a set, that's kind of where I'm at. Very last day fair. You just hands off. I'm kind of, focused on other things for the exact time being, but I'm still out there doing shows, just not, not in any like heavily goal oriented way, but yeah, big ups to Nick. He was sick. All right. Cheers for Nick. Ah, fall comrade. So, I mean, like, I think my goal like is to stop working at nine to five where I can actually have more time like to get be like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I can travel. And like my goal and I'm like, you're closer than I am, but I'm nowhere fucking close would be to like do like a small tour to kind of like the way that Aaron and Mitch VK just did it. Like, Oh uh, yeah, that's so cool. That's that was kind of cool. Like they were just doing it on the weekends, but they got to, like, they actually got to do a touring comedy show just around like Southern Ontario. I'm like that. Yeah, so and like they can take that now and go to like, Northern Ontario, I think they're doing Thunder Bay actually. I'm doing yeah. like they can do that sort of shit all around. I'm like, that's kind of I like to see that development. Yeah, they're they're great. I was happy to see that. I was just talking to Aaron today. But yeah, no, I think there that would also be sick. I think that takes a lot of, you know, they got a go-getter attitude. Whereas I'm just like you know, but I think what it's they're doing is sick. Man. Like you're so busy, like with the schooling that you're doing takes up so much time and like you were like posting stuff about your the, the the shit you had to write down and i'm like she's gonna die <laughs> like yeah. mentally she's just gonna be in a coma because of all the fucking stress of work at school and work and comedy on top of everything else <laughs> well, i'm thankful that everything i do is so far enjoyable like i like both i have two jobs i like them both um i feel great when i'm working i feel good when i'm doing school i think um school tends to stress me out more than anything else in my life besides like impending doom and personal issues but like <laughs> you know school is the 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 most challenging thing I engage with so I'm having a good summer I'm, I'm happy to be out because I'll work harder when it comes to it I burnt myself out took a lot out of all wrote a bunch of papers burnt myself out and I was like okay I'm ready to relax but you know I'm busy still I thought I was gonna 
relax more than I've been doing lately. But mentally and like spiritually, I'm relaxed. <laughs> I'm good. School takes around. Uh, do you think when you're done school and done doing that grind, you're gonna be able to take that that and like dig it into comedy and your art? For sure. I think I, I think I said it before. It might have been when the internet was all screwed up. But like I I, I use like I encounter things in my studies and I'm like <laughs> It's pretty good and like but and I don't really sit down and write see that's the thing if I wanted to I could probably you know sit down pick stuff up go to different areas of my brain and be like is there anything like mining in my brain like trying to you know dig something out but I don't really do that I think I, I encounter something and I'm like oh, oh all right we'll try and work that into something good and I abandon like 80 percent of what I find but like if it, it, when I'm engaging in school, when I'm reading, you know, 100, 200 pages a week of either like religious history or like psychoanalytic theories of religion, you know, I encounter things where I'm like, okay, we'll put that in my little backpack and we'll, we'll take it out into the world and we'll see if it sticks. Yeah. Like you, I imagine you could probably think of some really like intelligent concepts and just break it down to like, so it would work on like someone like myself who's a fucking complete moron. <laughs> I wouldn't say that what's swirling around in my head is, you know, in general, intelligent concepts. I got a lot of song lyrics, beer recipes, it's all. And then maybe a good joke in there somewhere, but I also have to mind that out, I guess. I, like intelligent ideas, of trying to transform something into, you know, funny, like delivery or something, trying to make it work. It all, most of that happens on stage. So I don't really sit down and I'm like, hey, let's try and that's an interesting yeah, really, how to yeah. kind of just like kind of wing it on stage i'm very like that's like did you like when did you realize that you had that talent i don't really actually consider it a talent it's nice of you to say that but yeah i think it's um having my own show helped me not put so much pressure on what i say all the time it's just like it's that's i, I was told that basically when you host that's kind of your spot to work stuff out like to try stuff out because you know, you're there to make people feel comfortable. So of course you don't want to just, I mean, for me, I don't go into hosting with like all new material that, that seems like a suicide mission, but like, I, uh, that's kind of where I work stuff out. So it doesn't feel so much like a talent. It feels, uh, something I fall back on some, a place of, it's coming from a place of comfort, not from a place of like genius or anything or like, um, I don't know. My show is where I try new stuff. Uh, if I'm going to do like a 15 minute spot somewhere, I feel like I'm featuring, I tend to go with the greatest hits. I don't really bring out the the EPs, you know? So I don't know. Having a show definitely helps work stuff out and just kind of so encounter like, ideas. Can you kind of take it back to that, uh, that first moment where someone asked you to feature though? Cause I feel like that's gotta be kind of a cool, like, wait, what, what do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I actually really don't know. There were times where I maybe thought I was featuring because I just went up before the headliner. Or, you know, if someone goes up last at an open mic and they see they're headlining, that's something I've always found funny. So I've tried. Who says they're headlining? Oh my god! <laughs> I hear that commonly, not not super frequently. But that's oh, I don't do it. But I mean, I've I've been at open mics where. Or like open mics are very loosely booked mics. Like, you know, there was this one in Oshawa where the last person who went up, 
talked about themselves as the headliner and like blew the light completely. And I, I, I think it's maybe not common or frequent, but it's something that um, people who actually feature an headline have mentioned to me before that they're like, I don't know. It seems like something uh, some comics have encountered at shows that the last person on a mic will just assume the role of a headliner or the title rather. And it's interesting, but I can't recall where I first featured. I'm not even sure if it's been more than like two or three times. Do you a phone call though? Like, like the idea of like someone asking you to do comedy and perform comedy? Like it's not just a mic. It's like um, they're asking you to come out and travel to perform. Um, getting asked, I think the first show I ever did outside of Guelph was in Kitchener at Tom O'Donnell's show at Rhapsody, uh, Rhapsody Barrel Bar or something. I think that's what it's called. We just knew it as Rhapsody, but that was really cool to get asked. Um, definitely it was probably like a drunken conversation, like, oh, come on and do my show or something. I mean, knowing Tom, we were probably both drunk at the time, but it was cool to get asked. I was very excited about it. And like being asked to go to my first Toronto show or like, you know, to do comedy bar for the first time, which again, I've, I've also only done it like maybe three times I've been at a comedy bar and just the, the ideas we associate, like the glamour and the Hollywood and all that. It's like, oh yeah, getting asked to do comedy bar for the first time was very exciting. And I got asked to, um, I got asked, I got volunteered into hosting a show for a, a, a good comedian who was able to charge like 30 or 40 bucks per ticket. Like it was like a good show. And I was told that the weekend, you know, the weekend and Drake and all these guys, their manager was going to be in attendance. And I was hosting the show and it was an all Toronto crowd. And it was at my bar Onyx. That's why I was asked to do it or offered the job. I shouldn't have taken that job because I was very poorly suited for the other comedians on the lineup and the crowd. And I bombed, like I just fucking bombed. So getting that opportunity was cool, but looking back and realizing that I should have said no makes me less excited about getting offers like that because I put a lot of pressure on myself. But I've never headlined. I'm not a headlining. You have those failures, right, to make the successes feel better, though, I think. Maybe. I think I've... I've in, each, I, yeah. in, in any art form, like specifically comedy or music or acting, to be honest, like you need to eat shit before you can like really eat well, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, we will eat shit again at some point. That's... It's kind of just if the range is massive, it's going to be harder to deal with. Like when it, if it's bad, it's like really bad. You can only either bomb or smash. It's like it's going to be harder to reconcile. Like where okay, as a person, where do I? As a performer, as an entertainer, where do I sit in this huge range? You know, if someone's worst day is as good as my best day, the range is smaller for them. That's that's pretty good. And now, so, so like we've uh, we've 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 talked about how like. Um, like we do comedy for to be a, for like attention. Like, do you feel like that's uh, because we're both like short as fuck and like we no one knows? Like you're there short. could be some kind I'm, of like, compensatory. Five, seven, you're, like five three and like I imagine. I think it's yeah. just me. Like we're just two short people with like, hey, look at us. We yeah. exist. We're here. I think that's what you call little man syndrome, and I'm not sure if either of us qualify because we're also like just not terrible. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. It's not like we're totally like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's not like there's nothing there for either of us, you know? It's like, it's not like we're, there's like a shadow and we're overcompensating. I think, you know, it's, we're just two little bitches getting out there. And I think that's what's important. I think there's the compensatory function.
Oh, man. I think that's I think that's the perfect way to end this podcast. Is two little bitches getting out there. Uh, Dana, do you freeze again? Jess is wrote the end of the podcast. <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> All right. Um, so Dana, you're not there anymore. So I'll sign off with the bus. <laughs> I'm here. Hello. You're there. All right. So I, I think that's the with the podcast. Is two little short uh, kings and queens trying to do our thing. Yeah. Short kings. <laughs> Book yeah. more short kings. That's yeah. what I want. Everyone at home, millions of Americans, I want you to know you need to. Book more short kings to feature on your show. Yes. Uh, before we leave, what are all your social media handles and uh, promote your website again for your art, please? Sure. I'll write it down and I'll, uh, I'll do that while I say thanks. Um, <laughs> it's been a, been a real pleasure performing. If my sponsor's watching, uh, I, I'm not actually drinking beer. I'm drinking Sunny D. Remember that? I was wondering what kind of sponsor you were talking about, to be honest. It's like, yeah. oh, you, got a, you got like one of those uh, shirt sponsors, like Manscaped ones or shit like that. Cause yeah, yeah. my way. I need those sponsorships, bro. Yeah. I'm sponsored by monster energy and I really appreciate all the, all the energy nice, that you nice. me to do this. Um, okay. My Mark monster energy drink sponsors my little monster. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. This is where we're at. All right. right. At D Dana CKK add one more K and you're in trouble. And cacreates.ca for the artwork. And the, uh, and the the handle is Instagram and Twitter, or just Instagram? Just Instagram. I am, I can't do Twitter. I I need what I say to be gone in 24 hours. That's what I like about Instagram. That's why you just post stories. Smart. I do. Yeah, and after this, I know I'm going to message you asking you to edit out certain pieces of it, so I'm not cut out for Twitter. Well, okay. the great thing is you're both high and drunk, so I don't think you remember anything that you said. So you. Don't hey, no, I'm lucid, man. This is me at baseline. You don't <laughs> want to see me without this. It's fine. <laughs> All right, Dan, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this chat, and I'll see you at a future show. Hopefully in the Richmond. Be, I think you Yeah, I'd love to come out. Thank you so much. This is cool i've never done this before and i am i think i'm gonna look back on this in 10 years or in 10 minutes and cringe so we'll see how i do but i really do appreciate the uh the opportunity and it's also nice to talk to you it's been too long yeah really all right i'll see you online okay yeah sounds good bye well i hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with dana i think she the sky's the limit for her and the sense of comedy i mean i say that about every comedian that comes on board here but i mean i wouldn't have him on if i didn't think that so you know I think she's got a great creative mind. I think she is overly educated for the comedy scene, but you know that doesn't hurt uh, when you're uh, when you're still uh, still doing the damn thing. Uh, if you guys want to check out more of Dana, she's available on Instagram at d d a n a c k k against d d a n a c k k. Or if you want to check out any of her prints uh, from her collage art, check her out. Check her out at ckcreates.ca again ckcreates.ca check it out go support her prints go support her comedy go uh, maybe support her education i don't know she'll i think we have osap here in ontario so maybe she'll be fine probably not but we'll see what happens that's it for me thank you for tuning in we'll see you guys down the line cheers